Have you ever had a goal that just seemed impossible? If so, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Consistent Runner Girls Notable Peeps, the series that gives attention to remarkable people who are putting on their shoes, doing their best, and believing in the impossible. All my dreams are coming, all my dreams are humming, all my dreams are coming true. Hey guys, welcome to the Notable Peeps Podcast. My name's Steph, and today's guest, it took her 3,165 days to get her bachelor's. Now, if some of you are doing the math, and you're slow at math like myself, you might be like, that seems like a long time. That is eight years. Eight years. And so, lately, I've had a lot of friends that are going back to school later in life, and they're like, this feels like I'm never going to get this degree. So, I have with us, Liesl. Liesl, what's your last name? Limburg. Oh, yeah. Lisa Limburg. Do you want to describe your challenges during this process of getting your degree? Yeah. So when I initially started school and I thought I had this plan in place, right? Like I was going to study political science. I was going to be done in four years and then I was going to go to law school. And you take that amount of time, like four years on average to get a college degree and you double it. And that's where the, like the 3,165 days came from. Right. And, um, within probably like my first year of school, I started suffering from serious depression and anxiety. And it was a constant battle to overcome that for eight years. Like I just, I had to fight with myself every day when I got up. And I feel like for the first three years of school, it, I lost like, I came out of my first semester of freshman year with a 3.9 GPA. Woo! I was working. Yeah, I was like, I'm on top of it. I have got this thing under my belt. And then um, my second semester, starting in February, I got a new job and money was really tight. That was another thing that just kept coming up. That was always a problem was paying for college, right? Like, how am I going to pay for this and manage to live on my own and do all of these things? And so, um, I got a new job and my time just seemed to get sucked up with that. And then school started to suffer. And then, you know, like my grandpa died that semester and I never quite figured it out. I went through the next fall. So that would have been the fall of 2009. And I just started to see like a very slow, gradual decrease in my grades. And I can't quite explain like what it, what it was, but like I, I would go through these serious mental blocks where like my professors would give me an assignment, right? Like writing, like we had an essay that was due and I could not write the essays. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't think through it. And and isn't political science, I mean, I only took one poli-sci class, but isn't it all essays? Yeah, it's, that's exactly it. Like, most of our tests were all essay-based, even if it was just, like, short answer, right? Like, we were constantly writing. That's what I did. I had maybe, like, a handful of tests that were multiple choice. And so it made it really hard. Like, I would procrastinate so much. It would be the day that the paper was due, and I'm hustling to get it in, right? And so then, of course, like, you get some students who are like, oh, I can procrastinate and pull out an A. I am not one of those students. I procrastinate and I am pulling out like C's, right? And um, it started to wear down on me physically. I started to get really sick and I had a lot of like internal issues. The doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong. And so I'm struggling with that. That's just adding more stress. And finally, when I was 20, so fall of 2010, um, I, I honestly like had a complete mental breakdown. Like I, I snapped and it was over something really silly. Like I had a paper that was due and I was at my parents' house and I'm trying to print this thing off and the printer isn't working. And I just fell to my knees. I remember this so, so well, just like it happened yesterday and just cried out. And I was like, dear God, what are you doing to me? Like, why can't anything in my life go right. Like I'm just trying to do this good thing and get through school. And I feel like it has just been like trying to climb Mount Everest. 
And so I called one of my friends and just in tears. And I was like, Lauren, I just can't do this anymore. Like, I hate this. I hate myself. This is just not what I expected college to be like. And she had her boyfriend come and pick me up because she was worried about me. And so Graham picked me up and he took me to her office at the U and I like, I slept on like a couch in her office for a couple of hours. And it was a little bit of a wake up call for me. I was like, this is not healthy. Like I am not a healthy person and I'm only getting in my own way at this point. And so, um, I entered counseling. Like I knew that I needed some help in managing my stress, which when you're, you're stressed out, that actually only like accentuates the problem of depression because you feel like your life is just spiraling out of control and you can't seem to like figure out how to fix it. Right. And so that's essentially what makes you depressed is it's like, well, my life is just always going to be this big disaster. And so during that time, as I'm going through um, like cognitive behavioral therapy, that's what they called it, like reteaching your brain, literally how to think positively and how to be able to assess um, situations. I started to feel like I needed to serve a mission. And I was like, this is (laughs) not something that I ever wanted to do. It seems like it's really bad timing. Like, I don't know if that's the right choice. And so I sat on it for a couple of months. I entered spring semester of 2011 and I just crumbled. I had, I was taking four classes. For some reason, I thought that I could handle a full course load and working full time. Um, because I just wanted to get done. I was like, if, if college is going to suck this bad and if I'm going to be this big of a mess, I'm just going to like gut through it and get it done. Right. Don't you think that's a lot of people, though, where they're like, oh, four classes, that's not that big of a deal, like working full time, four classes. Well, and that was another thing for me. Like, I'm over here struggling and I'm watching as my friends, they, at least they didn't seem to be, right? Like, and of course, we always look at people from the outside. We don't really know, like, what happens behind closed doors. We don't know what's going on in their head. But at this point, I'm, like, pushing 21 and I'm, like, scraping by school with like a 2.9 or a 2.7. And I'm watching as people are like, Oh no, I work full time and I go to school full time and I've already been accepted into this graduate program. And like, it just wasn't, that wasn't me. Right. Like I'm working at a call center and I can hardly handle that on top of two or three classes at a time. It was, it's totally discouraging when you set yourself up against other people. And it only makes, I think you're, depression or anxiety at that point worse. Right. And so that spring semester, the last one that I was in school before I served my mission, I tried to be like everyone else. And I don't know exactly like what brought me to that point other than I just wanted to get done with school. Um, and I think I wanted to prove to myself that I could do something hard, which is great. But like, if you don't have a game plan, like how you're going to accomplish that, then it's probably not going to work. And so I ended up getting really sick that semester. Um, and I think a lot of that was driven by my like mental state because when you're not mentally well, it's really hard to be physically well too. And so, um, I ended up having to have like a small surgery and I remember being at home recovering from it and just thinking about where I was at in life and how nothing was going the way that I thought it was. And I, I remember thinking to myself, like, you know, maybe it's not my situation that needs to change me. It's not the professor's fault that I'm struggling. It's not the university's fault. Like this is, this really comes down to me. Like there's something about me and the way that I'm handling this situation that's making it not work. And so Um, I decided that I needed to take a break for a minute, but if I was going to step away from school, my goal was that I was going to do something with meaning. I I said, I'm only going to give myself like a year or a year and a half, because if it's a year and a half, I'm going on a mission. Right. And if I take a break for a year, like I need to find something that is meaningful. I'm not just going to sit around and I'm not just going to work either. Like I'm going to step outside of myself and do some sort of service for someone. And so I came back to this feeling of you need to serve a mission. So I did. So I like, I applied 
and got called to serve um, in Montreal, Canada. And then I left. So this was like in March when I made this decision. Um, so I left for my mission in November of 2011. And that decision taught me that it is okay to step away from something that's hard. There's nothing wrong with being overwhelmed and saying, hold on, I need a period of reevaluation. Because if you use your time wisely at that point, you learn so much about yourself. And that's really what it comes down to is you, right? And, and your brain and the way that you process things and the way that you need to do something. So we may have standards where the average person graduates from college in five years with a bachelor's degree. Well, that's great, but they're talking about the average person, right? So that means that 50% of those people may finish faster, and then there's another 50% that don't. And no one ever said that it was wrong to fall in the bottom 50%. Like, no one, when you go into an, like, an interview with an employer or, like, a graduate school, no one looks at, at the time frame that you completed it. That's what I found recently no it's true that's a great point it really it's not like how long did it take you or they don't ask your gpa or they don't they honestly like they're just looking to see if you can complete something and for me if you come out and you say you know it took me six years or took me seven years to finish school i think that's actually more impressive because it shows your resilience right and that you're willing to come back and to try and try and try again and i just think that's something that we kind of lose sight of, right? Because we're so focused on the not being in that bottom 50%. We don't want that. There's nothing wrong with it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. No, I love everything that you're saying because I actually just had a conversation with a friend yesterday that's struggling because she's working full time. She's almost done with her her degree, but sometimes she just feels so overwhelmed and there's not enough time for everything. And, and it is that like balance of, She's like, if I stop taking more classes, then I don't finish as yep. long. But if I like cut work hours, then I don't have enough money. Yep. And, and it really is a tough process, especially for people that are going to school, I think later mm-hmm. in life or if they have kids or different yeah. situations. Well, I remember thinking that when I came back from my mission, like, so if one big lesson I learned over that 18 months was to take things in small chunks, right? Like, cause I, I had anxiety before my mission. I definitely had it while I was gone, but I had to break it down into six week periods and you'd get that, right? Yeah. If you served a mission. And so you're living transfer to transfer. And that was so helpful to me to be able to take things down in just a little bit of like a time crunch. And so when I came back, um, I came back in May of 2013 And then I started school again, spring semester of 2014. And I, I remember thinking, you know what? Like if I can only do two classes, that's, that's fine. Like, let's just ease into it. I don't want to get overwhelmed because I remember what that was like before. So here I am. I'm like learning from the past, right? And trying to apply that past situation to my present. And so I think I cut my work hours back to like, 25 hours a week. And then I was in two classes that semester and I had to make some serious sacrifices. Like, um, I had a decent car when I came back from my mission. And, um, I remember thinking like, I can't afford the car payment on this. Like, this is not going to happen if I have to cut my work hours back. And so I actually ended up selling that car to my older brother. And then I went back to driving this car that I had had before my mission, I just left it with my parents and seriously biggest junker car you've ever seen, like 94 Honda Civic with a third gear that doesn't work. And I remember thinking like, I don't look cool, you know? So that's one thing that sounds really stupid, but there's a a lot of social aspect, right? I'm 23 back from a mission. And then something else that I struggled with along with that was this idea that because I'm still in school, no one's going to want to date me. And I know that sounds kind of petty, right? But these are things that are going through my brain. I'm like, I have no money. Um, I don't have a cool car. No one's going to want to date me because I'm in school. And the longer it took me to finish, the more that thought of like, I'm not dateable. I'm not, 
I'm not somebody that like someone's going to want to pursue came over and over and over again because I thought that someone was going to look at me and tell me that I was, I don't know, like whatever judgment they wanted to make. Maybe I'm lazy, mm-hmm. you know, or like I have all these problems and, and, um, that was, yeah. Oh gosh. I'm just over here thinking about like how, how often I, I had to think that and overcome it and say, you know, like, if someone can't take me as I am now, like that's, that's not my problem. I'm, I'm over here and I'm trying to make a life for myself. And that's, that's the biggest thing is I need to be able to do this for myself and not for anyone else. And so that's what I did. I took two classes for three, hold on, we're in 2017. Now I have to think, I have to do math. (laughs) So just over three years, I took two classes, spring, summer, fall, spring, summer, fall. And like, I just chiseled away at it, but taking it in those manageable pieces was the biggest blessing to me because my grades went up. Um, I was much more like emotionally stable. I was able to, to work and provide for myself. And like I said, there were sacrifices I had to make for sure. Like I went nine months without watching TV at one point. Like not, I'm dead serious. Like not a single TV show. I think I went to like three movies in that nine months and that was it. But it was worth it in the end. Yeah. Because that time that you could be watching a movie you were spent studying, is that why? Or Or like at the gym, I um, decided that that was something that I needed to work on too. Like was working out because my physical health is really important. And when I'm physically happy, I'm mentally happy. And when I'm mentally happy, I'm physically happy. And so those were just little tweaks that I had to make over time. Right. And it was a little bit of trial and error. It was like, okay, I can cut this out, but like, oh, I don't need to cut this out as much. Right. Like I can add a little bit of TV back in or, you know, like I'm trying to think how to say this. Like it was just, it was like a balancing act, but you kind of have to sit there and like, and play with it and figure out what works for you and not worry so much about what other people are telling you works for them because it's going to be different. Like we're not the same. Right. So. No, I, I love that you just owned the fact that it was going to take a lot more time, but you're like, I'm just going to cut my work, cut my schooling, and how you said that it just was such a blessing. Mm-hmm. Well, and I can relate to your story just with running that it's been so many years that I've been chipping away trying to get faster. And and sometimes I, I think like, why am I doing this? It's taking so long, you know? But I love just your like little by little. You really do see progress. Yeah. So let's go to this past May, right? When you were graduating, you're sitting there at graduation. What were some of the feelings that were going on? Um, elation. Just, I was on cloud nine. Like, and I was so proud of myself. I know that sounds like really cheesy, but I (laughs) I remember thinking one night, that if I were to die, like if something extreme were to happen, I would be totally happy because I proved to myself that I could do something hard. Like I finished school and people along the way were not super supportive all the time, um, which is hard. Like it's hard when it's something that you want and other people are like, Lisa, like if this just isn't your thing, like maybe you should rethink this. And that's all I ever wanted from the time I was 18 was to like finish school. Right. And so it gave me a new sense of self and motivation. Like if I can get through that, if I can get through eight years of school, then I can do anything. Like I can accomplish anything because of that. And I don't think it's by chance that, you know, six weeks after I graduated, I broke my arm and now I'm in the middle of like a totally different challenge. But she's sporting a nice arm brace today. (laughs) It's that sense of like, of motivation and being able to overcome hard things is what's been carrying me through the last month since I had surgery on this. And I'm a grad student now. And so the game has kind of changed with school. The money has definitely changed. And I just keep thinking back to that. I'm like, whatever, like, 
if you can, if you can do that, if you can get your bachelor's degree on your own and like be completely self-sufficient and come out and have been accepted into a graduate program and, you know, have this bright future ahead of you when there were times when you didn't even, you didn't know if you were going to make it right. Then you can get through this. Like this, the broken arm thing is like nothing. (laughs) So such a great perspective. So, okay, let's hear about grad school. What are you doing? I don't know any of this. (laughs) So I got accepted into a master's of public policy program at the U and this is kind of part of like my crazy college experience story where I was so determined that I was going to go to law school, like from start to finish. That's what the plan was. And I took the LSAT last summer and bombed, took it again in December and did marginally better than I did the first time, but still not great. And decided that I was going to apply to these law schools anyway. Like, I mean, my GPA, I went from a 2.7, um, from when I went on my mission and then I graduated with a three, four. Hey, you brought it up that much. Yeah. That's awesome. Like it was, it was hard, but see, that's another thing. Like it is not impossible. If I can do it, you can, anybody can do that. Yeah. Like you just have to be diligent and like willing to sacrifice for those things. So I thought that I could get into law school with my story of like overcoming challenges and and different things. And it didn't happen. I was getting waitlisted or rejected. And, um, I started to get discouraged and this is like in March of this year. Um, so I was just like, dang it. Like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life after I graduate. Cause you can't really do much with a political science degree. Like, Shoot. And I was at my friend's house one night. She works up at the University of Utah. And is this the same friend you slept on her couch that one day? No, it's oh. a different friend. Okay. All my friends end up working with you. Um, no, this is my good friend Erin. She is the program director for the Masters of Public Administration program. Oh, cool. And so this kind of all ties together where she's good friends with the director of the Master of Public Policy or the program manager. Sorry, that's their title. So she's, she's good friends with her. So master's of public policy, master of public administration, their sister programs. Anyway. Um, so I was at Aaron's house one night and having just gotten waitlisted at a school that I was like, I'm guaranteed to get in there. Yeah, no. (laughs) Um, And I were like, she's making dinner for me. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like Aaron, why can't I just be like you and just be super smart? And like, you know, have all this like academic success. And she looks at me and she's like, you know, I just had a thought. She had just read one of my papers for um, a senior class that I was in. She She's like, Lisa, that paper was so good. And it made me think, why aren't you applying for a public policy degree? Like that is your niche. Like that is what you're good at. You've worked for the government. Like you've done all these internships. Why don't you do that? And I just have this thought, I was like, I don't know, probably because I don't know much about the program. And number two, because I've been so focused on law school that I, I had tunnel vision. I couldn't see any other options because I wanted that one. And she's like, well, I want you to come up and I want you to meet with Beth and she's the program manager. I'm good friends with her. Let's just sit down and talk because technically the application deadline was like three weeks past that point. And so Erin, like she whips out her laptop and she pulls up everybody's like calendar in her department. And she goes, oh yeah, Beth has an opening tomorrow. So I'll just like schedule an appointment and you'll come up and we'll all three just sit down and meet. It pays to know friends at the U. I know, right? <laughs> like friends in high places. Yeah. But um, so I went up there and she and I met with Beth and, you know, it was... Sometimes I think we sell ourselves short a little bit, right? Like I'm going, there's no way, like if law school doesn't want me, the MPP department isn't going to want me either. And I'm talking with Beth and she's like, you sound like you're going to be a great fit in this area. So in a dead serious, like miracle, I managed to get my personal statement. I think I had to have three letters of recommendation for it. Like all of my transcripts, everything submitted in like 
four or five days. Yeah, that's what we did. It was crazy. And I'm like sending off emails to these professors going, hey, I know that you just wrote me one for law school. Plans are changing. And now I'm like applying for this program. And everybody was so cooperative and supportive. And then I emailed Beth and let her know that, hey, like the application's been submitted. And I had my response from their department in two days. Like I, I submitted it on like a Tuesday or something. And that Thursday, I got an email saying, hey, like this is an offer for the program. You'll receive an official offer from the graduate school in like a month. And I cried. I was just like, holy cow. I can't believe this just happened to me. Right. And the lesson that I took from that is you have to be flexible in your plan. You have to allow for changes and, and subtleties to come up. Otherwise, you're not... I just think that there's so much room for um, like self-deprecation to happen at that point, if that makes sense. Like, so you have this goal in mind, like me going to law school, and I couldn't see around that. I couldn't, I like, I couldn't just take the hint that, you know, in December when I didn't do super well on the LSAT the second time, that maybe there was something else out there. Like, that's what I wanted. And I thought I was like the strong person for being like, no, I'm going to fight for what I want. And then it takes not getting in and my friend suggesting something else in order for me to see that, hey, there's life outside of this plan that I had. And I have to be willing to allow like other options and different things to come up. Like, otherwise I, I could fail. I could end up nowhere in life because I missed an opportunity. Right. Yeah. And as you're talking, I'm like, man, it's so true to be flexible because when I came back from Alaska, I had this great plan that I was like, I'm going to go into business for myself. I love public speaking. People will love to hear me speak. And then the reality hit that like no one wanted to hear me speak, you know? And (laughs) (laughs) but like, but my plan didn't work out. And I remember my mom being like, because I was like, I want to do my passion. I'm not going to sell out, you know? And my mom was like, do you think that everyone like work does their passion? She's like, do you think, cause my dad does title insurance. She's like, do you think that my dad every day is like, I am so passionate about title insurance. She's like, no, sometimes you have to just like do what you need to. And then you can do your passion on the side. And that just shift my whole. So thank you, mama. Shul, that shifted my whole like perspective. And like, you needed your friend to help shift that perspective of, okay, it's not being a sellout. It's not being like you had, I remember you telling everyone you wanted to be a lawyer. It doesn't make you any less, but it's like, oh, this is actually a better fit. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like, I think it's interesting because if you stick on one path, you don't know like what else is out there. Right. And there may be something that ends up being better for you in the long run. Like, You just don't know until you get out there and you try it, right? But I think a lot of times people get really discouraged when the plan that they've had set doesn't work out. And then in, like for me, being a member of the LDS church, it's like I've seen where people become really embittered and it's like, well, God is is punishing me or for some reason he doesn't want this to work. And I'm like, no, like you have a level of responsibility where you have to allow for changes to happen. like. It's not all just about you and what you want, right? Like, you don't know down the road who your paths are going to cross with, right? Yeah. No, exactly. Well, and if I would have been doing the same old thing that I was trying and not work at the company that I'm with, like, I've learned so much and I love, like, different people that I've met and, like, working downtown. And so, it's just those interesting how when we are flexible, like, what you're saying, it opens up all these opportunities. So, what exactly is... You like said it's policy. policy. What does that mean? So public policy is it like affects everyone, right? Like public policy comes down to street signs. Like, oh, are we going to put a street sign here? Like a street light. Um, and then it goes all the way up to like the federal level where you have people writing policy on healthcare, on gun rights. Like, Uh, you know, like those are obviously like really big things that people think about. Um, but it's, if you reverse it, you could just say, well, it's policy that affects the public. And so the goal is to assist the public in like the greatest capacity and help the most people that you possibly can with a single policy. Now, obviously, like you can't really take care of everyone, but mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to like develop a policy that's going to help as many people as you possibly can. 
for the greater good or whatever, you know, like that's kind of like the romantic way of looking at it. Um, my goal right now is actually to specialize in healthcare policy. Specifically, I really want to help underprivileged women gain better access to healthcare and see like what, um, what happens to like the American economy when women are taken care of in that way. So anyway, yeah, it sounds exciting. No, that's cool. When, as you were talking about like, man, you, you probably are really good at writing because that's probably what all this is, is. Yeah. It's, it's been a lot of writing and it's interesting right now, like the, uh, the public policy degree, um, is going to push me in ways that I wouldn't have chosen to be pushed a year ago because there's a lot of quantitative research. And when you say the word quantitative, people are like, what is that? Well, it's statistics and numbers. And I hate math. (laughs) Like I, oh, it's like the bane of my existence. And so in December last year, I finished my last math class for my bachelor's degree. And I had like a little party where I was thinking, oh, I never have to take a math class again. And I just about died and cried all at the same time when and talking with Beth at the MPP department at the U. And she's like, well, there's actually like a lot of quantitative <laughs> sections in this. And I'm sitting there like, dang it. <laughs> I thought I was done with math. Um, but I'm kind of excited to like take on this challenge too of learning how to conduct research and and have to you know extend myself in this way like I have to learn economics statistics and those are areas where maybe they're not exactly my forte right like I just said but what's exciting about it is the opportunity for progression so I already know that I'm a decent writer I can analyze written material pretty well but that's great but man, like how awesome is it that now I am being presented with this other opportunity to develop skills in a different area? Like that would have never happened if I had gone to law school. And so I'm looking at it in that perspective of like, Oh, sweet. Like I just get to grow some more. I just get to go through some more challenges and like learn more about myself and stretch myself in the next couple of years. And sweet, like bring it on. I love it. Especially because if this was a couple of years ago, you would have been like, oh, no. But like what you said, now that you've accomplished this hard goal, you're like, bring it on. Yeah. And it's just that that confidence that you have. So you had talked a little bit about some internships and you did a study abroad. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because that's one of my biggest regrets from college. I didn't do a study abroad. I didn't do an internship. I think I missed out on a lot of opportunities there. Yeah, I got really lucky, I feel like. And some of it, okay, some of it was luck and some of it was um, being willing to take risks too. But um, when I came back from my mission, so I spoke French in Canada. Well, kind of. (laughs) It wasn't that great, actually. So I came home and that spring semester that I started school, um, I was in the French class and it was like French, like 2010 or something. And I became friends with this guy named Josh and he was going to go on a study abroad with the U that summer. And then my professor um, of that, the French class that we're in was like, Hey, Lisa, like, I think that you should go on this. Like, I think once you're like immersed back in the language, like you'll pick it up even more than you did on your mission. Like it could be really helpful. And at that point I wanted to get a minor in French. And so I thought about it and I was like, yeah, like I'll look into it and um, ended up getting a grant to go to France that summer. Like, so it paid for the cost of the program and it was awesome. It's kind of insane how much has happened since then. Like the terrorist attacks that have happened, the face of our world is kind of changing and just living there and having the experiences that I did, I was able to come back and apply those to my degree in college. Cause I remember you know, being in political science classes, people, we talk about international politics a lot. And it was so cool being able to raise my hand and be like, well, when I was in France, like, this is what I experienced. Or, you know, I, I drove the Autobahn in Germany and like, this is kind of, this is what I picked up from there. And like, oh, I, I walked the canals or like along the canals in Amsterdam. And like, this is what I picked up when I was there. 
And they all, like these little experiences all have application for my life now. And so doing that just made me think like, I need to take as much opportunity as I can to get outside of the state and to get outside of like my own comfort zone, like, and really learn about other cultures in the world. And, and it's going to make me a better person and it's going to help me too down the road in my life. So, well, and what you were saying, it reminded me of, I heard a statistic somewhere this week and I don't know the exact number, but that millions of dollars of scholarships go unused every yeah. year. And like how you said that you were able to get a grant and just different opportunities. Yeah. It's, it's just that like, if you, if you want to do something, you can find a way to do it. And, um, part of my finding a way, which you know, it's like a hot topic of debate with student loans, but it's a choice that I made that I, that I've owned the, you know, like, Hey, like I do have like some debt out there, but not one that I regret, not at all, because I wouldn't be the person I am today if I didn't take the advantage of, of those opportunities. And yeah, anyway. <laughs> no, that sounds so cool. And especially in political science, like what you're saying with these current events that you're able to mm -hmm. use that experience that you've been to these places. Yeah. I remember one of them actually. So I did a whole year of internships and this, it's a little unheard of, but it's kind of like you end up, it's like taking a sabbatical, but I'm, you get credit for it. So um, my first one, so this was 2015. So I interned first at the Utah State Capitol. And um, part of that experience was, was really cool, where the application process, I applied in fall of 2014. And at this point, like, I'd been back in school for, this is my third semester back for my mission. So I went spring of 2014. Summer, I was in France. And then I did, so this was fall. So like my GPA had started to climb up a little bit. I think I had just crested over like a 3.0 or something. And I felt like I wanted to do a local internship because when you are in political science and you want to go to law school, they like, they look at all sorts of experience level. And so it's important that you have an internship on your resume. So I had applied through the University of Utah. They have the Hinckley Institute of Politics up there, which is awesome for anybody that is currently at the U. Um, it's just a great resource. But I went there and applied for an internship to work with one of the court systems here in Utah and sat down, was meeting with uh, the local internship advisor, who's just super cool. And I was really nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, I am like a terrible student. I only have like a 3.1. Like no one's going to want me as an intern because they're going to look at my grades and be like, this girl, are you kidding? She's not qualified. So I'm sitting and I'm talking with Morgan and I remember her telling me that she thought my resume was impressive, that I had work history, that I was an older student and that I had served a mission. And I was like, Oh, Morgan, are you telling me that it's not all about my grades? And she's like, no, that's a part, like that's part of it. But there, you have other things that are going to compensate for the fact that maybe you don't have the best grades compared to another student. And having her give me that like little vote of confidence was huge. I was like, okay, yeah, like I do have another skill set out there. And so anyway, I put in my application for it. And then a couple of days later, I got an email from the Hinckley Institute saying that they had some spots open for their legislative internship, which is on the hill here in Salt Lake. I looked at the requirements for it and it was like, oh, we usually only accept students that have a 3.5 GPA and are high academic standing. And I was like, well, okay, this sounds really interesting. And it sounds like something that I would want to do because it's legislative and like how cool that like I would be able to be up there, like seeing policy be made right before me. Um, and I was like, well, but I don't have the grades. And then I thought about Morgan and like her little vote of confidence. And I decided to apply for it. I was like, okay, like just email them back and tell them that you want to submit an application. And if, and if you get turned down, then you get turned down, but at least you tried. Right. So I applied for it and I got it. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> this is so cool. You get accepted into the program. And then somebody from Capitol Hill comes and, and interviews each one of the students. And that's how you get placed with 
either like the house member that you're working with or the senator. So I was waiting in their office for my turn to interview with this guy. And I was talking to one of the office aides and just like random conversation. It comes up that I've served a mission. I speak French and I've like just recently returned from France. And I hear this voice out of one of the side offices. It's like, wait, wait, did I just hear it? Liesl that you speak French? <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, like who's talking to me? And this woman comes out and she's like, oh my gosh, my name's Courtney and I'm the director of um, the international internships. And I'm like working right now and getting one set up in Nice, France in the mayor's office. So I need someone that one speaks French and two has legislative experience. And I was like, oh my gosh, like you could not have planned this more perfectly. Right. So Courtney just advised me. She's like, Hey, I want you to apply for this. So as soon as the application opens up, you apply and then tell me that you've submitted an application. And I left that office going, how awesome. Like we sometimes expect that I think, um, opportunities are just going to come to us like <laughs> on, on like a silver platter, right? Like, Oh, I can just sit here and do nothing. And opportunity is going to come my way. And that experience taught me that more experiences will come to you and more opportunities will like appear if you set yourself up for it. So I'm like setting myself up with the legislative internship. And that's one opportunity that I took advantage of. Right. And then like in the process of that, this other opportunity comes my way. And in the process of that, then I had an opportunity to intern in Washington, DC for the house committee on oversight and government reform, which is where the investigations on Benghazi and Hillary Clinton and the secret service all started. And so I just, I'm still kind of in shock two years later that these opportunities even came up, but the one in Nice was huge. I went out there and I was there from May until August of 2015. And I, just walked that city like day in and day out. And so the next year in 2016, when the terrorist attack happened in Nice along the promenade d'Anglais, like they, the guy that drove the truck through the big crowd of people on Bastille Day, it was heart wrenching because I was going, Oh my gosh, like I, no joke was on that same promenade at that beach the year before celebrating with these people that I, that I'd come to love, like in this, in this country that is sort of like, you know, a home away from home. And it's moments like that, that you realize that it's important to take opportunities because you just don't, you don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. And, um, that was, that was huge. That was just totally like a huge thing for me. Love it. So you guys, a little background with this. So Liesl, I I saw on her Instagram that she had graduated and the, her little post about it and that it took you eight years. And so I was like, oh, that's so cool. But as we've been talking, and I mean, I haven't talked to you for years. I don't really know what's going on. I, I feel like I've learned a lot from your story, just in the sense, like what you're talking about, like taking these opportunities and, and even how some of these things, it's like 3.5 GPA, like this and that. But, but if you try, you never know. Yeah. And there's so many things like in college that I just passed by because I was like, oh, I probably won't get it. Oh, I'll probably fail. And hearing you talk, I'm like, man, like that's the one thing that I hope anyone in college is taking from your interview is to just try for everything. Exactly. And just like one last experience from my internships, I feel like I could write a book on that. <laughs> but like, you know, you just said something that is is just absolutely like mind blowingly huge for me. And that's, um, you never know if you don't try. So my internship in Washington, DC. So I like, I go out there and I'm working for this big committee. Jason Chaffetz is, uh, the chairman and they assigned me to work on the subcommittee for national security. I'm like, Oh, this is so cool. Like I love like foreign stuff and like, I, my, my brothers are in the military. Like, this is just something that I'm very passionate about. And my boss, the, uh, the like head attorney for 
um, our little group of people was was gone. We were technically, I think, still in summer recess at that point for Congress. And so I, my first day, <laughs> I'm like hanging out in like the intern desks and it's like this, these like janky desks in this back hallway. And, um, this guy named Dave, who is a naval fellow and working um, on this subcommittee, he comes up to me and he's like, Oh, you're Liesl. You're the new intern. I'm, I'm Dave. Like we're going to be working really close with each other, you know? And I'm like, yay. I'm just like big doe eyed. Like, oh, I can't actually believe that I'm here. And he goes, so Liesl, what do you know about the Iran nuclear deal? And I'm looking at him and I was like, I know that it's about to like be signed <laughs> by the president. Like in a couple of weeks, that's, that's all I know. And I know that it deals with Iran making nuclear weapons. And he looks at me and he's like, after this project, you will know more about the Iran deal than I do. And I was like, well, what project is that, Dave? And he goes, I'm going to have you read through some documents and just kind of like analyze what's what kind of information's in it. And then you're going to put it into a document. Um, Dang it. Sorry. I have to remember like what these documents are called now. Um, They're like memos. Hold on. Oh, okay. So he goes, so you're going to put it into a document that we call a Republican guidance. And it's like a five page paper that goes out to all of the Republican members of the committee and it preps them for um, hearings that they have on different pieces of legislation or. Wait, wait, wait. By members of the committee, do you mean like. Like the the oversight and government reform committee. So like Jason Chaffetz and his- And he's a, like a, he's a house of representatives, isn't he? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. this is like, okay, this is <laughs> this big is like, deal. This is like big time. Yeah. Right? And I'm sitting there like, Dave, are you kidding me? Like, you know, I was like, I've never done this before. And he goes, don't worry. I'll give you an example of a, what a guidance looks like. And then um, I'm going to have you write some questions too, that the committee, that these met, like the, these members, these congressmen, are going to ask key witnesses that we're bringing in because they're having a hearing on the Iran nuclear deal and whether or not it's, you know, like appropriate and, and if it's something that Congress really should pass. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, what did I just sign up for? Like, okay. And he looks at me, he's like, how do you feel about that? And I was like, you know what? Good. I can do this. And he's like, great. You have three days. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay. So he brings me this stack of papers. I'm not even kidding you, Steph. It's 150 pages of documentation on the Iran nuclear deal. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I, I think I was pale and sweaty, but it's, it's this thing of like, you never know if you don't try. Right. So I, I take this like big folder of documents home with me that night. Cause I'm like, well, I li- literally have three days to get this thing done. And one of the other interns that, um, from the U that was on my staff was just like, Oh my gosh, like Liesl, that's like the most intense thing ever. Like I know. And so anyway, I read through all of this, like all of these documents and I write the guidance. Um, I start drafting questions for the committee and, I send it to Dave. He looks over it and he's like, Hey, like, looks great. I'm going to send it to Art. So Art is, is the lead attorney. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, he's going to think I'm so dumb. And so I remember, um, like a couple of days after I had sent it to Dave, um, Art and two of our other, um, staffers who were attorneys came back from recess and I'm in Art's office and he's, he's like, well, it looks like Dave got this guidance done. And I looked at him and I was like, that wasn't Dave art. That was me. I drafted that guidance. And those questions, those are mine. <laughs> and he looks at me, he's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, like that's me. And he was so like, he was just impressed that my very first project, like I had, I had done it. Right. And he thought that <laughs> He thought that the naval fellow was the guy that completed it. The girl that you didn't think you had a high enough no. GPA to get in all these things. And that's what I love right there. Yeah, that was just, that has stuck with me ever since too. Like, 
you just don't know if you don't try. And there's nothing wrong in trying and failing because at least you know that you did it wrong and, you know, so you try again, right? But that was just something that really, yeah, that was a huge teaching experience for me in going, okay, like, you cannot sell yourself short because you don't know. You don't know what you're capable of until you put yourself in that situation. Well, like what you're saying, you're like, oh no, they're going to think I'm so dumb, you know? And then they're like impressed with it. Uh Man, that's awesome. So Liesl, like really today talking to you has been so great. And I love hearing all about your story because not only did it take you eight years, but you've gotten so much experience and you're able to be that example of like, stick with it and take the great opportunities that come and and be flexible. Yeah. And take it in stride. That's, that's the big thing. Like just take it in stride. Don't, don't let someone else's timetable become your timetable and don't let society and what you think you're supposed to be doing and what you think you should be dictate what you do and who you are. Like that's, that's the biggest thing. I think like if you're going to make it through college, if you're coming back, if you're, if you're an older student, like don't let that deter you. Because you don't know and your timetable and the things that, that you are going to bring to a classroom are totally different. And we need those people. Like being an older student at the U was actually like a blessing for me because I was able to help other younger students. I was also able to learn from them, but we bring a different perspective to the classroom. We, we bring something that's different. And schools need that. College needs that. And those kids that are young, they need that. They need somebody who has a little bit more of like a real world perspective. And so maybe make that like your attitude, like, Hey, like, yeah, I may be older. I may, this may be my third or fourth time around trying to get this thing finished, but what can I bring to the table? How can I bless another student's life or a teacher's life? You know, cause we have a lot to offer. No, I love that. And, and in talking about real world experience, I mean, you've now worked up in the Utah legislature. You, you've legislature. Legislature. Whatever. The Utah. (laughs) And you, you've worked back on Capitol Hill. That's so cool. And even in France. And so, so yeah, awesome story. Well, guys, um, if any of you are struggling of feeling like you're never going to finish school or you feel like it's impossible, just remember Lisa story that even if it takes you eight years, it's worth it. So, and remember to put on your shoes, do your best and believe in the impossible. Thanks for listening. All my dreams are coming. All my dreams are humming. All my dreams are coming true. Thanks again for pushing play and listening to this episode. If you want more information about today's guest, head over to www.notablepeeps.com. Thank you.